Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Marketing and Coffee. Today, we have Brittany on the show with us. How are you doing, Brittany? I'm pretty good. I've got my handy little beverage from our local coffee roaster, which I'm pretty excited about. So yeah, excited to be here. Awesome. Where'd you go to? I went to Hyperion because uh, that's like the nice. closest company since Cultivate had shut down. So uh, Hyperion's my go-to spot. Yeah, um, I'm still upset. I have no idea why they shut down Cultivate. Yeah, like, it was busy every single day. They had the beer garden in the back. Yeah, it's uh, it's very confusing. I hope that a business comes into that space because it's such a communal, essential part of like Ypsilanti. And there's definitely kind of that, um, you know, you kind of feel like a loss of like a sense of community when like those spaces don't exist. And so I hope that another business owner takes over that um, space. Have you been over to Cross Street Coffee at all? Yeah, I used to go there a couple times when I, so I used to live in Depot Town. And so if there were days when I wanted to like not be at the apartment, I would just like walk to uh, Cross Street and just like work there for a couple hours because it was a nice space. That's awesome. Yeah. Cool. Well, let's talk a little bit about you and your business. Um, For a listener who hasn't met you before, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so uh, my business is Powerhouse Brand Studio, and what I do is I help people build brands that attract and convert their audiences. And so a lot of the times when we think about branding, typically it kind of comes with the visual elements of like, I need a logo, I need my colors, and all the things that like kind of visually represent our brands. But there's the other side of it, which is where I come in. And so a lot of what I do is the brand and business strategy component where we're ensuring that like, your workflows in your business are working to make sure that you're providing a good experience for customers and make, helping them want to come back. We're talking about who is your audience? What type of content are you creating? How can we, re, how can we really create an intentional business and use that visual brand as an asset to grow your business? So I think as a business owner, your brand and business are directly tied. And I think that your brand is your biggest asset to the success of your business it just needs to be intentionally built, you know? Um, and so that's a lot of what I do with usually like a lot of coaches, um, usually all over the States, which is really nice to have so many clients. Just, it doesn't, it doesn't require you to work with just local clients. Um, so yeah, so that's what I do. I I think that's such a useful thing to provide to businesses now. You know, um, we've had a lot of conversations on this show and I just, I'd love to hear your take on it being specifically in branding. Yeah. I feel like as an entrepreneur, I'm very invested in my business. Mm -hmm. You know, you get very connected to it. What are some ways that you can see clients kind of take advantage of that in their branding methods and Mm. converting on sales? So a lot of times the one thing that comes to mind is a lot of people really struggle with identifying who their ideal client is. And there's a lot of resistance in that because we start our businesses because we're really passionate about what we're doing, or there's this thing that like we didn't have when we were growing up or during this certain part of our life. And so we wanted to create it to like offer that to other people. But with that is yes, Like we might be our ideal client, but there's often some resistance to really kind of personifying that person and adjusting the messaging to speak exactly to that person. And so, and a lot of the work that I do, we follow my power process, which is purpose, observation, workflows, execution, and refinement. And so it's this five-step process that I take my clients through to help them gain clarity on what their purpose is, how it relates to their audience, and how we can actually kind of make it work in their business. 
when we talk about their ideal clients, there's a lot of resistance with like, I know who my ideal client is. I know their Starbucks order. I know their nail polish color. And I'm like, yeah, but we're all humans. You know, if you're a small business, you're usually trying to work with other humans who care about what they're doing and like really want to transform their lives in some way. So we need to understand who they are to ensure that you're adjusting your messaging and really actually speaking to them instead of at them. And so I see there's a resistance because people feel like they know who their audience is, but they're usually just kind of talking at their audience instead of starting that conversation. And so that's kind of the hard thing of working with business owners because you are tied to it. And so it's just like, I'm coming in from an outside perspective of like, okay, let's kind of like sever the cord a little bit um, and like really personify who this person is to better help grow your business. I think that's such a fantastic point, you know, speaking that your audience versus talking with them and starting a conversation. Yeah. What are some of the most common mistakes you see businesses make in that, whether it's on like social media or through any other sales channels? Uh, I'll talk about like one on websites in particular, and then one like on social media. So on websites, I'm a huge proponent of like price transparency. And so a lot of the small businesses that I work with and entrepreneurs, they would benefit from having price transparency. When I start working with them, we kind of start talking about, well, how many leads are coming in? How are the sales calls going? How many are actually converting into your business? And when I usually start working with them, they often don't have their prices on their website or anywhere on any contact forms or like anywhere for somebody to see. And so what's happening is because people don't have that information and they know you as a brand, like you as a person, they enjoy you. They're reaching out, but they're not fully prepared to invest the money into your to your service because they didn't know that you're going to charge them $500,000, whatever that might be. And so it's kind of a shock factor. And then you're losing out on more leads. And what could have alleviated that was having it on your contact form or having price transparency on your website. And so that's kind of where I see clients falling short is kind of just assuming that because they're they are an expert that their expertise will make the sale when that's not the case. Um, another thing that I often see on social media is kind of the jargon, you know, so we're all experts at what we do, like we're really passionate about it, no doubt about it. But what I'm finding is that we often use all this jargon and there's like a disconnect between what people are asking for and then what we're talking about. Um, and so that's kind of where they meet resistance with actually getting leads onto phone calls or to actually like having that conversation with people because we're not taking like five steps back. Like we don't need to dumb anything down at all. Like our audiences are incredibly smart. But it's just, how can we just clarify this message to meet them where they're at so they understand what we're saying? So those are usually two pretty prominent things that um, kind of happen with my clients. So earlier this week, I watched a podcast. Um, you know, I dive a lot into like a lot of YouTube creators. So like growing up, I was super into like Casey Neistat, Mr. Beast and all that stuff. And he was talking about, Jimmy was talking about you know, how important it is to retain your audience and how short people's attention spans are now and kind of where that shift in media is going. Yeah. And that's something I've been trying to work on myself. Like we talked about before the show, doing an episode that's 20 or 25 minutes versus going, you know, two hours. Mm -hmm. Just part of that reason is I want to get to the point and I want our audience to be able to, you know, get that information as quick as possible. Yeah. I think that's such a great point about 
you know, just getting to the point, remove all of those words and the jargon on the website that you don't need, mm-hmm. you know, it just, it doesn't need to be there. Yeah. Um, what are some of the most common like phrases or words or, you know, topics that you see put out on websites that just don't need to be there? Um, the first and worst offender is usually on websites when people start with a, hi, I'm so-and-so. This is why I'm passionate about what I'm doing. Um, and it's always a hard conversation that I feel like I sometimes have to not sugarcoat, but kind of ease into. Cause I'm like, I know that you probably built this website yourself. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm always thinking about in creating things and maybe this might feel a little like nihilist of me, but like, who cares? Uh, like if somebody comes to my website, what can I say to make them care or to at least intrigue them? And so if somebody's landing on your website, just a specific example, and we start with, Hey, I'm Brittany, I can do all these things. And this is my background. Like what, why are they going to care? You know, because like just on the topic of like how people are consuming media right now, like if we think about how people are interacting with our brands, like you're seeing, we are just bombarded endlessly with so many ads, so much content every single day. And so I'm just a huge proponent of like keeping things as clear and concise as possible. Um, And so that's kind of what I often find when I'm like either doing audits or working with my clients in that particular capacity. Um, So yeah, Um, but did I fully answer your question or is there something that maybe I missed? No, that's perfect. Oh. Yeah, that's great. You know, don't look at our website. <laughs> <laughs> I already did. That's the only so. thing I ask. <laughs> no, we're starting, we're starting to work on it. We're slow. Nice. We don't have a lot of traffic going through there. It's mainly through social. So we're slowly like just yeah. adding videos and things like that. So yeah. we feel like that would be better. Another thing we talked about before the show, I'm I'm listening back and going through Adobe, just trying to edit these things. And it's just, um, like, and then long pauses for no reason. <laughs> I'm trying to cut out. Yeah. Yeah. Just don't, don't tear us apart too much. That's all I'm asking. No, I would never. I'm always nice. I'm always honest, but I'm not mean about it. Okay. That's good. Straight to the point. Yes. Just straight to the point. I'm just, it's always my goal of like, I don't want you to feel like we're like beating around the bush or like you just want answers, you know, like whenever I talk to my clients, it's just like, they'll sometimes come in frustrated because they've had experiences with like previous business coaches who like either have this promise and like they didn't feel like they got that resolution or like something has happened where they didn't feel heard or validated. And so a lot of what some of my clients will be like, you're part therapist. And I'm like, I'm just asking you questions. I want to make an informed opinion to ensure that what you want to communicate, I understand. So I can look at everything that you have online and better help you actually communicate what you're intending. You know, it's easy to have your blinders on constantly because you're the often the only one in your business. So it's helpful to have other people come in and be like, well, you say that you want to communicate this and stand by this brain message, but it's not being reflected in your workflows. It's not being reflected in how you're like connecting with your audience. And so it's really just a lot of what I do is just alignment with like our intentions and then our actions. I think that's a great point. Like there are there are a lot of difficult conversations you have to have with clients, but our best clients that we retain the longest are those that we have that honest conversation with. 
-hmm. and the ones that know that they can trust us for, you know, whatever the information is, whether it's good or bad. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I I think it goes a long way too, of just like, I think it really makes a difference of like being just like a service provider and then being like a partner, you know, I think that a lot of times people view themselves as service partners, service providers, and there's nothing wrong with that at all. Um, but I've just kind of gotten into almost a decade of doing what I'm doing. And I'm like, I'm really passionate about helping people on a regular basis. You know, I want you to feel like you're not alone in your business because like, I might not be there every single day, but it's hard to do things just in isolation. Like we can't kind of, we can't create in a vacuum. And so having that outside perspective on a regular basis, at least somebody to kind of lean on, ask questions and having that partner is always just so helpful. And that co-creation just creates better solutions to, to anything. So are most of your clients remote? Yep. So I've had a couple of local clients that are based in like Ferndale, um, a lot of really great people out there. Um, But yeah, I have a client who lives out in Spain and I've had one that lived in South America. Like it's pretty fascinating to own like a virtual business and have the opportunity to work with people all over the world. Yeah. I feel like a lot of business owners now just want to find somebody that they can connect with and work Mm -hmm. with really well. Yeah. And you know, the work remote option has just opened up so many opportunities for that. I mean, it's always been there, but people are now just like starting to realize it in the past few years. So yeah, it's definitely different. And it I've definitely found it easier to connect with people. I think that even though the pandemic was terrible and it was hard on everybody, I think it has one implication of it is that it has opened doors to people to realizing the power of having the opportunity to have a virtual business and connect with people. You know, you're no longer just focusing, you know, if you have an online business, it's different if you have like a brick and mortar, but um, there's so much opportunity to just partner with people all over the States and do a talk at this college in New York or in California. Like there's just so much opportunity, which can be exciting, but also really overwhelming at times. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause you have so many options, like, mm-hmm. you know, revenue size, industry, all that stuff. Yeah. Do you ever have any trouble trying to pin down like, or decide like if you're working in the right vertical or if you need to shift at all? Um, sometimes. And so a lot of my background, um, is like in the health and wellness space. Like I'm just like somebody that really loves to work out and, for the longest time when I started my own business, I was finding that <clears throat> I would follow these health and wellness accounts, but I was like, I don't know who my ideal client is. Who is it? Maybe I'll do this. Maybe I'll do that. And then I had a conversation with somebody one day and I, the first time I met this person and they're like, it sounds like you would work really well with people in the health and wellness space and just a light bulb went off. Um, and so it's definitely been a journey to kind of niching into that industry of like helping coaches. And it's not just like nutrition and fitness coaches. It's often like, you know, I've worked with CBD based businesses. I've worked with therapists and like really anybody who's in just like that wellness category. Um, and so obviously there are pivots that kind of come with more experience and offering like, you know, strategy. There are some pivots that need to be made with my, the audience that I'm targeting, but overall I haven't had too much trouble in like making those pivots. It feels usually pretty natural to, to do that. That's great. So I don't, I don't mean to do a hard pivot here, but okay. you know, one of the, one of the things that really stood out about your profile when you know, when we bring in a guest, we always have this profile that kind of gives us a little bit more information about them. 
mm-hmm. um, just for our audience for context. Um, the power model. Can mm-hmm. you tell me a little bit about the power model and how you kind of came to develop that? Yeah. So um, I've been doing strategy since late 2018, early 2019. And obviously when we all start learning like a new skill, we kind of start learning from other people, our mentors. And over the years, I started adjusting my process. And so I really started paying attention to what made a successful project with a client. And so I would have clients that came in the door and we started to follow this process that I was creating and they would triple their income. They would like launch their business and be booked out for six months. And so recognizing like the success that my clients was having, I started looking at my process and the power process is um, purpose, observation, workflows, execution, and refinement. And so how I work with my clients in that capacity is that, you know, we can't create intentional workflows, which is like onboarding, offboarding, upgrading clients to certain services. We can't create that unless we understand why we even have this business in the first place and what the vision is. Or we can't do it without understanding who our audience is. Like the purpose and the observation part of like understanding who our audience is dictates the service funnels that we're creating, how we're approaching our email marketing, any marketing in general, any partnerships in the future. Um, And so those are all kind of combined in those workflows. And then from there, we choose to what we need to execute on first. You know, so when we talk about brand and business strategy, I'm generally, if I do the full thing with my clients, we're thinking out like five years ahead. And that can be really overwhelming to a lot of people of like, where do I start with all this information? And so with the execution part, we start building out those milestones of like, based on where you're at right now and what your immediate goals are, we're going to execute on these workflows right now, test them out, and then we're going to refine them. You know, I think that um, we continuously try to like improve our businesses by sometimes building out new things, but it's often like, the existing processes and workflows and things that we have just need to be refined uh, just with the data and information that we've obtained by executing on those workflows. Um, And so that's a process that I finally named earlier this year. You know, it's kind of taken quite some time to actually come to like the name of it. Um, And I'm lucky enough to have like a really great mentor and friend who had like a brainstorming session with me. And I was like, I'd love it if it like, you know, referenced by a business name powerhouse. And we're like, okay, let's like workshop this. Like what are the categories? How can we kind of name this like the power method? Um, And so that's what it is. And like, that's kind of roughly like how the naming actually came about. That's a great name. Yeah, I know a lot of people who have actually hired outside marketing agencies to create their own branding. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't understood that. I'm like, it should be like your idea, right? Like you're Mm -hmm. doing this for other people too. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I think it's helpful to have like an outside perspective, but like- Oh, absolutely. But when the whole idea is- Yeah, and I just like, I feel like they should be involved, you know? And I think that's a lot of what like- because I used to do like brand design and web design. And I think that I just gravitated towards strategy because it was so much more collaborative instead of like, you know, here's this thing that I created, do you like it? And so it just, it creates more conversations and people feel involved. And when they feel involved, they are really proud of it and they want to share it, you know, instead of just like creating this thing and like presenting it to them, there's just like a different connection that people have to it when they're involved in the process. Absolutely. 
Well, Brittany, it was an absolute pleasure having you on the show today. I really appreciate all of your insights that you provided our audience. You know, I think anybody looking to build their brand or learn more about branding definitely could benefit from talking to you. Um, can you I just want to give you a couple of minutes here at the end. Tell us where people can find you online, you know, on social or your website. Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, thank you for having me on. Um, if anybody is struggling to understand who their ideal client is, I do have a free course available that's called Identify, Attract, and Convert Your Audience. Um, you can find it on my website, which is at powerhousebrainstudio.com. I'm also pretty active on Instagram and LinkedIn, and you'll find me both at Powerhouse Brain Studio. Um, and yeah, I'm always down to talk about branding. So I'm excited to have had the opportunity to be here. Awesome. Thank you again for coming on. Thank you everybody for listening. We'll be back with another episode in a couple days.